Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. We exist to lead people to the abundant life in Christ. For a great way to stay connected throughout the week, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus together all across this room today. Come on, lift up the name of Jesus. Anybody in the room believe that Jesus is still building his church? That the gates of hell will not prevail? That the same power that raised Christ from the grave is the same power that's present in this room? That what's ahead of us is greater than what's behind us? And that the best is still yet to come. Come on, give Jesus some praise. Jesus, receive, receive your praise today. This is, this is for you. This is through you. This is about you. Re- receive your glory. Receive your honor. Receive your praise. Receive the adoration you are worthy of. And we pray that you would send the Holy Spirit. That send the Holy Spirit to anoint your word. Send the Holy Spirit to anoint our ears to receive the word of God. Send the Holy Spirit to give us one vision, one mission, one heart. Moving forward together in unity by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we do absolute damage to the gates of hell together in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You guys can be seated. Hey, welcome to Vision Weekend, Coast Life Church. So good to see you here. I want to say a great big welcome to everybody watching online. So glad you're with us today. And a great big welcome to all of our first-time guests. Come on, give everybody a hand. Say thank you. Thank you for being here. And I'm so excited to get to share some vision for 2022. And this year, the Vision Weekend has aligned with the collection we're in on tithing and generosity called The Window, and Pastor Marcus Meekum kicked it off last weekend. Wasn't it incredible? That was an amazing, amazing message, and if you missed it, go to, go to YouTube, check out the message, uh, subscribe to YouTube while you're there, make sure you stay connected on uh, social media, all the platforms, and I want to, I want to, I'm going to merge two things today. I'm going to I'm going to get into week two of our collection called The Window, preaching on the biblical principle of tithing and generosity offerings. And then I'm going to, I'm going to give us three of our, our, our lanes for vision. We're going to talk about our vision here uh, for our church as a collective. We're going to talk about uh, our next-gen vision. We're going to talk about our global and foreign missions vision and I'm just believing that 2022 is going to be a year of God's favor, God's blessing, God's grace. And we're, we're dreaming, but how many of you know God's already there? He's, he's already making a way. He's already doing everything that he needs to do to make a way for us. And I'm going to, use the, I'm going to go to a portion of Scripture. The, the title of this collection is The Window. And I want to go to the portion of Scripture that that title comes from, and it's found in the book of Malachi, or Malachi, if you prefer. Uh, Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 1. 
and then we're going to skip down and read verses 6 through 12. This is one of those passages that, that we may, maybe quote a lot or we pull a little bit from. But sometimes we just need to read things in context, like get the whole context. So I'm going to read a few verses, if that's okay, today. If it's not, you might want to check your heart a little bit on what's going on. But uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. Okay, so hold on right there. Malachi is prophesying by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's prophesying into the future. So Malachi 3, he's speaking to a group of people, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, he's speaking through them into the church. Does that make sense, everybody? Like he's speaking beyond that. And so he's, he's prophesying John the Baptist, he, a messenger who will prepare the way. Who was the one that came to prepare the way for Jesus? It was John the Baptist. Okay, then there's a period and then, and the Lord. I promise the rest of the message is going to go a whole lot faster. Okay, so just hang with me just for a minute. I'm not going to read every period and talk about why there's a period there for the whole time. And, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. Now who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. Like John the Baptist and then Jesus. All this is in verse 1. Behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. Now skip down to verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, have, how have we robbed you? And your tithes and contributions, your curse with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more meat, no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Somebody say amen to the reading of God's word. I want to preach a message today called a hungry world, a sufficient God. And there, we, we live in a world that is full of need. But we serve a God that is completely sufficient. Amen, somebody. I had a revelation the other day. Just, you, I don't know, just every once in a while you're walking through life and you just have this sudden, uh, deep, revelatory moment that just brings so much enlightenment to your world. And my revelation was that I don't think I've ever needed a doggy bag in my entire life. I don't know that there's ever been a meal that I haven't finished in my life. Unless somehow I got like incredibly sick during the meal and you know, like that's a different deal or maybe I didn't like the meal, but if it's a good meal, I have finished every meal and I've had some big meals, but I'm no quitter in Jesus name. I don't, I don't quit. And I just, I was at a restaurant and somebody was like, oh, I need a to-go box. And I just had this moment where like, I don't think I've ever asked for a to-go box in my whole life. And there's some something deeply wrong with me, which you guys probably picked up on listening to me preach, but 
Like every time I order a meal at a restaurant, there's always this little question like, is it going to be enough? I'm always concerned. And it's, it's important to know that I've never faced starvation in my entire life. But every time I order a meal at a restaurant, there's always just this little question like, can you just describe to me the portion size that you're going to bring out? I'm a little concerned here. I just, I just want to know if it's going to be enough, which is why my sushi bill is always around $7,000. It's like, what the heck? I just have to explain to my kids, like, kids, college is overrated. Like, you, lots of people didn't go to college and they're successful, but it's like, I've, I've just never, I've, I've never had a meal that, a good meal that could outmatch my appetite. Like, uh, just my, my hunger which is always more than whatever anybody's set before me. And that's, that's our normal human thinking. It's, it's just, it's the default setting of our minds that my, my trepidation over if the meal I've ordered is going to be enough is, is the default setting of humanity as we look into the future, always worrying if there's going to be enough. That is there going to be enough and what I want you to understand is God, God hasn't called us to live according to the ways of the world. With, with that mindset that, that we're always, there's, there's just never, the needs that we have are never going to match the provision that we have. That somehow there's going to be, we're, we're going to be left in a place where, where we're needing more or we're wanting more, but there's no more for us. And, and God hasn't called us, that's, that's, that's the normal default setting of our humanity. And that's the normal default setting. That's why, that's why we, we, we hoard, that's why we consume, that's why we do all the things we do. That's, that's the ways of the world. But how many of you know God hasn't called us to live by the ways of the world? That he calls us to live not by the way the world sees things, but God has called us to live by our faith and not what we see. And it's a really important thing. Like, what is this Christian life? This Christian life is saying, I am not going to live according to the default thoughts of my mind. They lead me astray sometimes. I'm not going to go with my human instincts. I'm not going to go with the, the normal wisdom of the world. There's going to be one thing that's going to guide the direction of my life, and it's not what I see. It's what I believe from God's Word. It's what God's Word teaches me about, about how I'm going to live my life. And that's, that's what Christianity is, is I'm not living by what I feel. I'm not living by what the world says. I'm just strictly living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Like if God said it, I'm going to step out on faith. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to obey it. And it's going to be the reality of my life greater than any other reality. I'm not going to live by what I see. I'm going to live by faith in Jesus name. And one of those principles, one of those biblical principles that it, it, that to be a Christian, it means to believe this, that this is, this is one of the operational settings of your life. This is one of the guiding principles of your life. This is something that, that is ingrained into the Christian faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? It means to believe a biblical principle like Philippians 4.19, where Paul says, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And what do we do? We just have to, we have to replace 
what we feel with a statement of faith. Like I, I always feel like there's not going to be enough. I always feel like no matter how much money I have or how good things are, there's always this fear that my need is going to outweigh my provision and what I have. And I just want to tell you today, here's the biblical principle that we need to understand that in the world, yes, there are limited quantities. Yes, in the world, there are things that maybe you feel like there isn't enough, but here's the biblical principle. God is more than enough. He is more than enough. And when God... Uh, can I just teach the Bible to you? The reason why we don't operate according to the world is because God isn't measuring how much is in the world and saying, I'll use what's in the world to bless you. No, he said, I'm going to meet your needs, not according to the economy, not according to your company, not according to what's going on around you. That's not where the, that's not where the source is. The source is that I'm going to meet your needs according to riches in Christ Jesus. Like I'm, that, that the source, like God may use your company. God may use your investments. God may use some earthly things, but you've got to realize it didn't come from the company. It came from the God of all provision who said, I'm going to meet every one of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. God is more than enough. What, what does more than enough mean? Like you, you, you've got to, it's got to become something that we're living by faith. It's, it's more than enough. What does more than enough mean? It means that if you have an addiction and so many people are struggling with something like addiction and addiction is so incredibly strong and is so powerful and we step into addiction and we're like, I, I've tried to break it with willpower and I've tried to break it with strength and I've tried to break it with all of this stuff. And I want to tell you, addiction is strong, but it's not stronger than the power of God. That addiction is strong, but God is more than enough. God is more than that. He has more strength, more power than the addiction. And we're living not by our strength and our will. We're living by the power and the strength of God. If you're struggling with sin, you're like, Jason, you don't know what I've done. That's true. Don't even want to know. Don't post it on social media. But anyway, like you're just like, there's so much sin in my life. You'd be surprised by how much sin that is in my life. Well, I, I don't care how much sin is in your life because I know what the word of God says and it says his grace is greater than sin. Don't care how much sin you have in your life. Don't care what you've done. You've not done enough to go more than enough for God and his grace. God's grace is bigger than anything that you can ever imagine. We step into moments like, God, God called me to something, but I'm so insufficient. I'm not enough. Like that, I, I, I'm so, ins- I'm, not, I'm unqualified I, and all of this stuff. And because we're looking at us, we're looking at our circumstances, we're looking by what we see and not what God's word said. And God's word says that God's purpose is more than enough, that it's not even about you. It's about the God that called you. It's about the God that gave you the purpose. It's about the God that's speaking over your life. And so we don't measure things by what's going on in the world. We measure things by what the God of more than enough has said over our lives. And we're going to talk about vision weekend and we're going to cast a big vision, a huge vision, but there's no vision that we could ever come up with that is bigger than the God that we serve. That it's important to establish something very fundamental, and that is God is more than enough, that he is greater than whatever we're facing. And there's people facing mountains right now, and you have a mountain in your life, and you're like, it's an incredible mountain, it's a big mountain, that mountain can never move. But I got a mental image this week of a mountain, and it was just under a shadow, and I, and I was pondering it, and I just felt like the Lord said, that that's somebody's mountain, but they need to know that I'm overshadowing the mountain that they're 
facing, that that mountain may be big, but there is something so much bigger overshadowing every mountain that they're facing. And I just want to establish something today. Our God is more than enough. He is greater. He is bigger than this moment. I know this is a big moment, but he's bigger than this moment. And his greatness goes from the day of creation and it stretches all the way into the future. The greatness of God is overshadowing your future right now. All the way to the day of Jesus Christ. Come on, give God some praise in the room. There's, there's no moment that is greater than the greatness of God. There's no mountain that is greater than the greatness of God. And I want to deal with the phrase from Malachi. And the prophet, speaking on behalf of God, said, you have robbed me. I've literally heard people say, well, let's you know, avoid that. No, we're not going to avoid that. We're going to step into that. And their question was how, to God was, how have we robbed you? And I just, I, I, I'm not here to judge or condemn anyone, but I just know the power of the word of God, that one word from God can set you free. And that's my heart, is to just give you the word of God. And when the word of God isn't just a truth that is in your head, but it's a truth that's lived out in your heart, that's the moment freedom comes into your life. And I, I believe the truth will set you free. And I, th- I believe there's a lot of people that are living with a lid. Then, because every, every lie that you partner with in your life creates a barrier to where God wants to take you. And, and every lie just becomes a lid. And I, my prayer is, you know, I want to cast vision. I want to believe for the future. But this isn't about like an ambiguous corporation of a church going somewhere. This is you and I believing God has great things for our life. And as we partner together and we step into this together, all of us are going to the place God wants us to go. And there's a lot of people, I believe, that are experiencing the, the lid of a lie. And I believe God's word could help just take that lid off of your life. And throughout the book of Malachi, you can go read it. Uh, it's, it's four chapters. It's not a long book. But throughout the book of Malachi, the prophet is saying, you're saying, you're saying, you're saying. And then he would follow it up and say, but God is saying, God is saying, God is saying. We, we read it in, in Malachi chapter 3. I'd already stopped like seven times, so I didn't point it out to you. But it's like, you're saying, how have we robbed you? And, and then God is saying this. And, and what's, what's happening with that is, is God is saying, this is what's being said in your religious circles. This is what's being said in culture this is what you're believing, but the reason why God is attacking that is because he's saying, I want to I remove all the false narratives that are holding you back, and I want to replace it with a truth that can set you free so you can experience everything that I have for your life. And one of the lies that God was removing was the lie that what we give doesn't matter. So that's the lie. The lie is... What I give doesn't matter. And it's, it's a lie that, that permeates Christianity today. Like we're under grace, so it doesn't, if you give or if you don't give, it doesn't matter. That's, that's a lie. The truth is, what you give matters to God. It matters. And a lot of people think that's Old Testament teaching. No, that's New Testament teaching. It's biblical teaching. That disobedience brings a curse and obedience brings a blessing. 
That's not Old Testament teaching. That's Bible teaching. Because there's only two things you can be. One is living under the curse of this world. This world is cursed. And you can live under this world and what you get, you get and you don't throw a fit. Or you can step into a place of obedience and you can watch the blessing of God come on your life. And you can live under a different authority. You can live under a different thing and that's the blessing of God. And they're like, that's Old Testament. No, Old Testament was to show us that we could never live under the blessing of God. That we could never live perfect enough, that we could never live good enough, that there was nothing in us that could ever measure up to God's standard. It was to show us how insufficient we were so that we would know that we would never be righteous on our own. And the New Testament isn't that, that we can disobey and still get the blessing. That's not the New Testament. We don't, grace isn't a license to do whatever you want to do in your life. That's not, that's not biblical teaching. The, the Old Testament was to show us that we couldn't do it. The New Testament is to tell us that we know you, Jesus, God knew you couldn't do it, so he sent Jesus to be your righteousness for you so that now you can be made righteous in the sight of God and then you can have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is going to help change your heart so the things that you didn't want to do but you were trying to overpower your will to do them, God's actually going to change your heart, take out your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh so you can be sensitive to the will of God. So when somebody preaches the message of the gospel, the, the, the heart, the new heart of you is going to be like, I want to I lean into that. I want to respond to that. And God's going to give you the Holy Spirit. This is New Testament. God's going to give you the Holy Spirit to help you do the will of God. Grace isn't there to help you sin. Grace is there to help you forgive you when you sin so you can get back to a place of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to do God's will so that you can live in a place of overcoming. Not that you're perfect. That's why we have grace. So when I do make a mistake, I don't live in the mistake. I get up from the mistake and I go back to the place of God's blessing and the power of the Holy Spirit helps me walk it out. And there's a lot of people living under a lie that, and, and I'm not, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you my heart, it hurts me because it's holding you back from some things that God wants to do in your life. Like it's holding the church back. It's holding things back. And I just believe that we can do so much greater when we realize God is saying, Hey, that's what, that's what they say. That's what culture says that it doesn't matter what you give, but I'm telling you, I see every gift. I see every offering. I see your heart. I see it. And when you're obedient to me, I respond to your obedience and I bring blessing. That's why he said, return to me and I'll return to you. In other words, people think that grace is this place where it doesn't matter what I'm going to, what I do, God's all, God's going to do what he's going to do. No, return to me and I'll return to you says God is responding to our faith and our obedience. James said it this way. He said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. That means God is moving in response to my movement. God is responding to my response. And, and it brings us to this place that just tells us that God meets us at every step of faith. That when I take a step, God said, return to me and I'll return to you. Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Here's the New Testament teaching is it's the understanding that every time I take a step of faith, God is meeting me at that step of faith, which means every step of faith is more than enough. It's more than enough because every time I take a step of faith, I encounter the God of more than enough, which is what people don't understand. Like, I'm not for sure if I'm ready to get baptized. You're not. But when you get baptized, you meet the God of more than enough. 
I'm not for sure I'm ready to tithe. You may not be ready to tithe, but when you take that step of faith, you're going to encounter the God of more than enough. I'm not for sure if I'm ready to step into my calling and purpose. You may not be ready. That's the point. You're not sufficient, but come on, you serve the sufficient God and every step of faith is more than enough. We, we rob God, according to the Bible, when we're not taking those steps of faith, those steps of obedience. And Malachi points to the tithes and the offerings. And, and a tithe, I'll do this again in a couple of weeks, but the tithe is 10%. People don't know what the tithe is. The tithe is 10% dedicated to God. People think it's 10%. That's partially true. The full truth is 10%, it's 10% dedicated to God. In other words, there's a portion of our income that is dedicated to God. And, and it's not just any 10%, it's the 10% that's dedicated. And that's important because in, in, their, in their day, they were bringing partial offerings or they were bringing incomplete offerings. And through the Bible, there's this narrative that they were supposed to bring the first to God. And, and what would happen is if it was like a, a, a lamb and, the, and they had some lambs that were born and the first one was perfect and it was awesome and it was like a perfect specimen. And then there was one that was born and it, like had, it, it just looked weird and had no ears and like, you know, like n- no legs. And it was just like, they're like, ooh, that was the first one, but I think I'm going to bring God this one. And God's like, I don't want to be trusted with what you don't want. I want to be trusted with what you do want. I don't, I don't want to be trusted with what doesn't mean anything to you. I want to be trusted with what matters to you. And here's what God, the principle of the word of God is, is anytime I give God my first, God counts it as my best. That my first is my best. And the reason why we preach the tithes One is it's biblical. Two is it's built this house. And we preach the tithe because God counts our tithe as our first and our best. So we we tithe. What does that mean? It means every time we have income, we give God the first 10%. And say, God, I'm not going to wait and give you, I'm not going to wait and give you the tithe that doesn't have any ears, whatever's left over. And it doesn't really, I've, I've taken care of everything else and now this money doesn't matter. So you can have that money. No, that's not how we tithe. We say, God, this is the first, this is the best. It belongs to you. And I believe if I trust you with my first and my best, I'm going to get the best of God in my life. And then. And then periodically we, we do special offerings like we have legacy coming up. And that's our over and above offering. That's, that's not our tithe. That's not our generosity. That's over and above our tithe. A lot of people don't understand that. It's like I'll just wait and give at the end of the year. That, I appreciate, listen, I'm not trying to be condemning. I appreciate everybody that gives and all of that. But the way this is supposed to work is legacy isn't our last and we're bringing the last of our giving We've given our first, and legacy is our over and above. Jesus, you didn't ask for this. This comes right out of my heart. This is, this is my sacrifice to you. This is, this, is my, this is my over and above best gift. Does that make sense? We do that because the church is the storehouse. The church is the place where God said, I want there to be food in my house. What does that mean? It just, it just means ministry. Do you know that God wants this church to be preaching the gospel? Do you know the world would be drastically different if there were not pastors standing in pulpits declaring the word of God? 
Do you know that the world, this city, would be so much darker if there wasn't an anointed worship team standing on this stage singing, build your church, build your church? Do you know we would lose it? We would, lose, we would lose this community in one generation if there weren't teachers teaching children about the name of Jesus. Do you know that there's people that are broken in our community and that God can heal them? Do you know there's marriages that are struggling right now that in one moment in the presence of God, everything could change for them? Do you know there's people who are physically sick and there's power in God's kingdom to see them set free from that sickness? There's, there's people that have been struggling with generations of things, lack and poverty. And they're, just, they're just one generation, one moment of faith from breaking off all of that stuff. And when you look at the world, I never realized it until I became a lead pastor, how, it, how much need there is. If you want to feel overwhelmed, just make a decision that you're going to start meeting needs. And you'll feel overwhelmed really quickly. Because there's a hungry world but I'm so grateful we serve a sufficient God. And that's why God said, that's why God said, I want there to be food in my house. I want there to be ministry in my house. And I, I, don't, I don't ever want to pastor a broke church. It's just not, it's just not godly. It's not kingdom. The, the Bible is, I want there to be food in my house. I want there to be resources in my house so that I can meet the needs of the world through my house. And so many people right now are believing for every other entity, government, all kinds of other things, they're, they're going to meet the needs. No, that's, that's not who God called to meet the needs of the world. God called the church to meet the needs of the world. And, and the message God is sending is, I'm going to take your obedience and I'm going to take your faith. You're going to trust me with your first and your best and, and, and you're going to give it. And I, I'm going to receive it, and I'm going to, turn, I'm going to turn your giving into something you never could have done. I'm going to turn your giving into ministry, and I'm going to meet the needs of the world through your tithe and your generosity. And what happens is we measure church wrong. We, we measure church wrong. We measure church by how many people are already provided for, by how many people are already hearing the gospel, by how many people who are already experiencing the presence of God through anointed worship, by how many children are already being taught about Jesus. And we're like, man, we're doing good. Can I tell you, God doesn't measure his church that way. He's got one eye on the church, but he's got one eye on the world saying there are so many more broken people. There's so many hurt people. There's so many people that are living in need. And I, can, I can't just, I can meet these needs, but can I tell you, God can meet all of our needs and then meet all of their needs as well because he's sufficient. And we live in a hungry world. But God provided the church and the world needs the ministry of the church. The world needs the word of God. The world needs the ministry of the church. The world needs the presence of God. The world needs miracles. The world needs healing. The world needs restoration. The world needs deliverance. The world needs salvation because God has provided his church to meet their needs, which is why I'm excited to just show you some pictures of something that I believe is going to be an incredible storehouse for our community. I believe God's going to meet a whole lot of needs in that building right there. We're going to, we're going to see God do some great things in that, in that building. 
So why are we moving from a 300-seat auditorium to an 800-seat auditorium? Is because we're going to increase our capacity. We're going to increase our storehouse. That lobby is air-conditioned, by the way. You can stand in there and not sweat. Guys, that's just the kids' lobby. That's not even, that's just the kids. It's just the lobby for the kids. Come on, run, run through those real quick. It's incredible. There's some kids' environments there. There's, a, there's the, the children's auditorium that'll hold 100 kids at one time. That's an 800-seat auditorium. And right now, we're going to just speak prophetically over this building. And we're going to say there are, more, there are miracles that are going to happen in that room right there. That... <laughs> There's going to be a couple sitting in one of those seats, and, and, and God's going to put their marriage back together again. There's going to be some parents sitting in their seats, and they've been praying for their children, and their son or daughter is going to walk in that room, and when they walk in that room, they're going to leave, and they're never going to be the same because Jesus saved them. There's going to be somebody that's walking in under the weight of oppression, but an anointed worship moment, the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing is going to destroy the yoke, and they're going to be set free in Jesus' name. We speak a mighty revival over that building right now in Jesus' Jesus, mighty name. Somebody give God praise for what he's going to do. In Jesus' name. The God of all sufficiency. You can be seated. I'm not even anywhere near done. The God of all sufficiency. Oh, we got to hold on. No, 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 no. God can meet every need in this community and then make sure there's an abundance left over. And the second thing that's, that's part of our vision, obviously, kind of that one was sort of obvious before we got here, but the, the other part, here's, here, there's no question about the harvest. Did you know that? You know that there's, there's just an incredible harvest. The Bible never puts the question on the harvest. Matthew 9, 37 through 38 says, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. There's always a great harvest, but it's the laborers who are few. Therefore, pray earnestly. I want you to notice how emphatic Jesus is about this. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. The harvest isn't in question, it's the laborers. And, and you can, t honestly, I'm going I'm to take a very specific look at this, but it, it could be broader than this for all of you people who really take the Bible seriously. Thank you for taking the Bible seriously. So no, I'm not... I'm not trying to be comprehensive about this. I want to just take one look at it. Is that okay? And, and, and I want to present something to you that, that leaders are our laborers. That God has called us to raise up a generation of pastors and leaders who can help us receive the harvest. Because the, how great the harvest is isn't in question. It's what is our capacity to reach and receive the harvest. That's the question. It's how many people are equipped. And... To my knowledge, I, there may be something, I don't know, but the, there's no ministry school in, in the city of Venice. And there's some great places to receive ministry training. But here's what I believe. I believe we shouldn't have to send laborers out of their harvest to get training. I, 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 just, I, think, I, think, we have, I think we have to be the church that says if you're, if you're a young man and a young woman and you feel the call of ministry on your life, you don't have to leave the city you're called to to get training to reach the city God has called you to reach. And, 
I'm so thankful forever. I'm not trying to cast off. I'm so there's incredible ministry schools all around the nation, but I feel a mandate that God has called us to raise up leaders to reach the harvest. And this past summer, uh, through our next-gen ministry under the leadership of incredible leadership of Trevor Ritchie, we did our first six-week internship. And if you were an, if you were an intern in that internship, would you stand up? Any any interns? There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. And, and it, just stand up for a second. Just stand up for a second. She's she's been raised in this house <laughs> since she was a little girl and she's a boss leader this is an incredible leader that's an incredible leader that's an incredible leader eli was just on this stage leading us in worship that's an anointed that's an anointed young lady right there that's an anointed young man right there and here's what i want you to understand they're not leading tomorrow they're leading our church today at a high capacity okay you can be you can be seated i've I've embarrassed you enough. I'm just, just, a, just proud. You know what I mean? And so in 2022, we're, we're, we're starting a two-year internship pro- program. And we're going to raise up the next generation of world changers. So what are your legacy dollars going to do? Your legacy dollars are going to reach a harvest because we're going to train the leaders to go and get this city in the name of Jesus. All right. Here's that's so the building we've got we've got the internship. I'm excited. Two year. It's gonna be a small internship, but when they come out of it, they're gonna be ready for uh, pastoral level ministry. Um, and then here's the third thing is I want to give you a third lane. And I want you uh, God God measures faith. Did y'all know that? He measures faith. That's why you know Jesus would be like Oh, you of little faith. (laughs) And then sometimes he'd be, you know, kind of amazed at people's great faith. Like, wow, like you, you got a lot of faith. But first of all, if if you're struggling, here's the incredible thing is God can do amazing things with mustard seed faith. That's what he said. He said, that doesn't take a whole lot of faith. There's one man who was like, Jesus asked him, he said, do you believe? And he's like, yeah, but you got to help me with my unbelief. And the way that I see that is that he had a small amount of faith, but it was surrounded by all of this unbelief. And Jesus said, I, I see all the unbelief, but I can work with the little belief you have. And he set his little boy free. So God, God's measuring our faith. So where, where are we putting our faith? Like I, I know all of us as individuals, you know, we're going to tithe, we're going to give the legacy, we're going to take steps of faith, we're going to get baptized, we're going to take our steps of faith. But I wanted to do something collective as a church. Like this is, we're going we're gonna to do something. And I was looking, we have huge needs to complete this building. This is a big project. Like even, even for, in a church world, this is a big project. And if, you, if you've watched the news or just simply opened your eyes in the past six months, you've heard all about inflation and supply shortages and you've seen the ships off of, you know, the coast of California and, and honestly, all of that is affecting our project. Like inflation uh, is pushing the price high, the cost of building higher, and uh, supply shortages are, you know, like they're telling us that some of the stuff that we need is like six months out. So I want to I ask you to be patient with us through this process because this is a big deal. And it's not something we're going to rush through because this is our legacy that we are doing. We are leaving a building that will be a legacy for generations to come. 
but we're also not slowing down. I don't, I don't mean to tell you like we're you know, pumping the brakes, taking our foot off the gas. All we're doing is we're moving at the speed of generosity and wisdom, which is what we promised you we would do. So when we, when we have money, we take next steps. We just, we just take steps. Every time, every time we hit it, we just take steps because faith isn't stupid. People do stuff, and they say, it's faith. No, that uses stupid. You know what I mean? Like, because faith, faith, faith defies logic, but it never defies wisdom. It doesn't do that. And so here's, here's our faith step. As I, I, I was inspired by a friend of mine, and they took a journey similar to this, and I found out that there are churches in Africa that don't have a building. And they're just, they're just meeting under trees or wherever they can find shade. And it's, to build in Africa is considerably <laughs> cheaper, like 99.9% cheaper than it is to build in Venice, Florida. So it's not even, I'm not even saying this is a large investment, okay? For, for our budget and our size church, this is a very small investment. But in 2022, we're going to provide a building for a church in Africa. And we're going to... And it's just a little bit of faith to say, God, if we provide for them, would you open the windows of heaven and provide for Coast Life Church? That God's going to meet us of every step of faith. Hey, just stand with me all over the, all over the room today, all over the room. We're going to believe that God's going to honor our commitments, our tithes, and our offerings. And the, and, and, and the, the phrase is, you rob me. And how do, how do we rob God when we don't tithe? There's things the church can't do. There's, there's staff I would love to hire. There's missions projects I'd love to take on. Like, we have way more vision than we have provision. That's just the reality of it. And, and we're, people don't get it. Like, it doesn't matter what I give. Yeah, God, it matters because God wants to do some great things in the world, and he wants to use his church to do it. So that's one sense of robbing God. But the other sense people don't think of is there's things God wants to do in your life. And you're robbing him of the opportunity to get involved in some things. And the window, this collection is called the window, is because when we don't tithe, it means we're just, we're just gritting it out. And there's amazing people. They get, they, they get blessed and wealthy without tithing. But there's some other things that are missing from their life, like purpose, fulfillment, and God's plan, and God's best. And all the window, what the window means is when I tithe, God opens the window. And the window is just the opportunity. It's the opportunity for God to get involved in what you're involved in. And what God does is he begins to pour out purpose. He begins to pour out favor. He begins to pour out blessing. He begins to pour out of his grace. And there's people that are tithing, that are going to get jobs they never should have gotten, not because of their resume, but because of the favor of God on their life. And there's going to be people that tithe, that their business is going to explode, not because they have the perfect business degree and they understood all the business climate, just because the favor and blessing of God was on their business and it, God blessed it. There's people that are going to be blessed in their investments, not because they're a savvy investment person, but just because the, faith, the window of God is open over their life. And I love how God says this. He said, I'm not going to pour out enough to meet your needs. I'm going to go above and beyond. I'm going to pour out more than you have room to handle. Does anybody believe that today? And there's, there's two things.
There's two things we're going to speak to. We're going to take a moment. I've got, we're going to take a moment. We're going to speak to two things. Because this is just me. I just, I just want to pastor through something. I want to lead through something right now. I, I just felt like in my prayer time that there's two things that are holding people back. One is fear and one is lack. You're afraid or you don't feel like you have enough. Both of those are lies that are coming down today. And the truth of God's word is coming into your heart. Come on, lift your hands all across this room. Lift your hands all across this room. We speak to fear. We speak to fear right now. You are a liar. You are not the truth. We have authority in the Holy Spirit. And we break agreement with you right now in Jesus' name. You have no power over our lives. Somebody needs to know I'm sorry that a church abused your money. I'm sorry that somebody failed you. But that doesn't change the truth of God's word. And so right now, the fear of man, the fear of being taken advantage of, all of those fears, they're broken right now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we declare you're set free in Jesus' name. There's someone that maybe it's lack. I don't have enough. If I tithe, I'm not going to have enough. There may be a generational thing that you feel like you're always going to be poor. You're never going to have enough. We declare that lie is broken, and we declare the sufficiency of the kingdom of God over your life today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Come on, would you give God some praise? Listen, it's that simple. You're free. You're free. You're free in Jesus' name. Come on. Never be the same. Never be the same. You're free. You're free. And here's the truth. God meets us at every step of faith. And today I want to I walk you through a step of faith, and that's putting your trust in Jesus for salvation. And we're going to pray a prayer. And somebody's going to take one step of faith. And the sufficiency of God's grace is going to meet you in this moment. Come on, all across this room. If you've never received Christ, or maybe you're in a place where you've walked away. And you may feel like you've taken a thousand steps away from God. Can I just tell you today, you're only one step from God. Doesn't matter how far you walk, returning to God is just one step of faith. And I feel like the presence of God, it's a hungry world, but the sufficient God is in this house. Salvation is here. Come on, let's pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. If that's you today, you need to receive Jesus or come back to faith in Jesus. This is your moment. Would you just pray this prayer with me all across this room? Everyone say this. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart come into my life. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sin. Today I receive you as my leader and my Lord, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Mm. Come on, I'm believing that somebody's eternity just changed. I'm believing somebody's life just changed. If that was you and you just prayed that prayer with me, this is your your next step moment. This is your faith declaration moment. If you just prayed that prayer with me, when I get to three, would you just raise your hand and say, Jason, today's my day. I've decided to follow Jesus. I've recommitted my life to Jesus. Come on, let's let faith rise in this room for just a moment. Are you ready, Coast Life family? This is somebody's day. This is somebody's moment. If that's you, on the count of three, one, two, if that was you, three, would you raise your hand and just say today, today's my day. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Come on, somebody say welcome to the family of God. 
Hey, thank you for joining us, and a special thank you to those of you who give so faithfully and generously to this church. It's because of people like you that podcasts like this are possible, and you can click the link in the description to give now, or you can visit mycoastlifechurch.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, we'd love it if you subscribed, share it with your friends. So thank you for listening, and God bless you.